السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ پیس اینڈ بلیسنگ ویلکم ونس اگین ٹو اندر ڈرائیو ٹائم شو ہے ان وائس آف اسلام یو آر لسننگ ٹو این ای کرمان ایز اے پرزینٹر ان وائس آف اسلام ریڈیو فرام لنڈن آئی ہیو جوائنڈ زکری یا شیخ ود می ہی ول بی ود اس ود ان دا شو اینڈ وی ول بی پرزینٹنگ ویری ٹو ویری امپورٹنٹ ٹاپکس اینڈ ون آف کورس از دی essential skills which we require in every day you know sometimes things come up and we don't know the essential skills and because of that uh, you know we have to call somebody we have to go to someone we have to wait for a long time to get the thing done even though it's a very small thing and uh, ourselves can do those things uh, you know if I mention few things uh, you know just to change uh, a tab or you know uh, just to uh you know fix something in in a house or you know to to learn different languages which of course there are different kind of skills where you learn and definitely it helps us in our daily lives and after that in the second hour uh we'll be discussing uh, another topic and uh, for uh this hour we will be having some guests who will be giving us the true insight uh of this uh, topic essential skills and he will be you know uh discussing uh, we'll be discussing their lives as well and we will be you know asking them that what skills they got and how why it is it is important to get essential skills uh before going to that welcome zakaria sheikh as well who is with me uh in in the studio assalamu alaikum peace be upon you wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah peace be upon you too um brother anik um it's a pleasure for me being able to uh, present with you and discuss uh, the topics of this um uh, you know f- uh, of these hours and and um i think you mentioned about the first topic of, mm. of the, the the first topic uh, which we will be discussing up till um, 5 o'clock um but we will also touch upon a, a different and another interesting topic which is uh the origin of life mm-hmm. uh that's the topic that we'll be discussing in the next hour um you know it's 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 uh, the origin of life as muslims we don't believe that it's just a game of chance it's it's mm. a it's something which is been planned by god almighty and and he has you know created us and everything in the universe and the holy quran also says that it's made for the benefit of humanity as well so this is something that we will be discussing in the next hour of course uh but of course you know in the first hour we will be discussing the essential skills that we need in our day-to-day life and um, how much do you know about the essential skills you can always get in touch with us to give us tips and maybe ask any questions that you want to ask um also um we'll have our guests as well for the first hour we will be discussing with um uh, in regards to this topic with uh, Mohsen Patel who is a former cadets n- member and also with Chloe Thomas uh, the du- uh, duke of edinburgh gold award winner um again if you want to get in touch with us uh, you can always call us at 
Um, and if you would like to um, visit our website, that is voiceofislam.co.uk. In order to listen to previous shows and maybe this show um, again, you can uh, visit soundcloud.com as well. So uh, there the, uh, the the shows will be uploaded and also on the website. Um, also, we are active in all sorts of um, you know social uh, media platforms, mm. especially on uh, on Twitter. So when you search at voiceofislam.uk, you'll find us and, um, and you'll also come to know about the future uh, you know, programs that we will be uh, you, know, you know, presenting hopefully. So, um, brother so, Nick, uh, uh, so uh, <laughs> I think as uh, as a uh, brother has mentioned all the platforms, and I would like to mention the number where you can call us is zero two zero eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, and you can also tweet us on at Voice of Islam UK. So, as we are discussing the essential skills, you know, to, it is very important to learn. Uh, key life skills, many of uh, which may be overlooked by most people nowadays. And, you know, the such skills include first aid, sign languages, self-defense, uh, budgeting, and basic household maintenance. And learning these key skills to some degree can make a huge difference and make our life easier. And, uh, and, and for those who are around us, it's not just simply simplifying our life by learning these uh, basic skills, when you know something, when you you know you are uh, have a knowledge of first aid, and uh, you know you have uh, knowledge of sign languages or self-defense or budgeting, or any you know basic other household maintenance uh, skills, what happens? You know, if somebody in need, whether it in your at your home, at your family, in, in the society, if you're there, uh, you know voluntarily. Of course, that's that's not your first job. You just know those skills, so it is better to you know learn these skills and it will be definitely helpful for the uh, for yourself and for the society and for the family as well mm-hmm. in the holy quran uh, muslims are encouraged to seek knowledge and learn more about the world which allah has created around them and it states in the holy quran that we have shown him the way whether he be grateful or ungrateful so there are some things we should be grateful to God Almighty rather than just doing our work. We should be learning other skills as well. We should be equipped with uh, other knowledges as well where we can help ourselves and you know other human beings as well mm-hmm. rather than just doing one thing and we don't know anything else. And if let's let's suppose if somebody you know around the corner maybe next door neighborhood need some kind of help, and uh, you know if they need uh, if somebody needs a first aid, basically very simple thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that. What happens eventually, you know, it can be, you know, very damaging. Maybe a person, you know, might be struggling with something and the, ble- the bleeding is coming out. And you have to do something first. If you know the yeah. first aid, you have the taken the, uh, you know, uh, training. So you would be able to help that person. Otherwise, you know, uh, there's a possibility, yeah. you know, that anything can happen. Or if they are waiting for the ambulance for somebody else, yeah. it can, you know, prolong things as, you know, especially living in London, you know, the roads, the streets full of rush. Hmm. It's very hard to, uh, you know, get somewhere and it, it takes long. Yeah. And some kind, sometimes it can be very, very dangerous. Yeah. S- some people might think that, you know what, we have our phones, hmm. we have our uh, devices, we have internet everywhere. So why would I, wh- why, what, what is the need for learning these skills, right? Hmm. Um, and because, you know, you can literally find everything online. Uh, 
But imagine if any emergency happens, you don't have internet wherever you go, you know, in, in you know, you go for hiking and whatever, right? And you don't have these skills. Uh and and unfortunately at that specific time when the accident happens or you need something, um, you don't have internet. What will you do? So these are basically basic skills that everyone should know, regardless of you know, if you have internet or not, it's just something that uh, we need, uh, you know, every single time of our life in emergency. And, you know, anything could happen to your life, right? Anything could happen and you should immediately know that, okay, this is the thing that I need to do in order to, let's say, uh, save a human being. So we don't have time to go and look for things, uh, how to do this or how to do that. If you know these basic skills that we will be discussing, and I, I know that there there will be many more, but we'll try to focus on 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 the important ones. Um, but uh, uh, brother Anik, why is it uh, important for us to first of all acquire certain skills? And I said, okay, he, this is this is something that which is life saving. What do you say? Indeed, you know, in, in this day and age, uh, internet, it seems uh, there's a tutorial for everything online. People can learn yeah. everything online. But as you mentioned that in today's show, uh, we will aim to explore some key skills which people of all ages can actually begin putting into practice. Mm-hmm. And as you ask, why is it important to acquire certain skills? <clears throat> you know, in daily skills have been proven uh, to be important for building physiological, emotional your cognitive, behavioral, and resilience skills that helps us meaningfully uh, practice or sorry, participate in society. Mm-hmm. And having those skills to be self-sufficient can foster independence in people. And so it should be a focus for parents and schools uh, to ingrain them into the youth. And, you know, these things we see quite often if you look at the youth, which are in their 80s, 19, and 2000, maybe just, just go 10 years back, mm-hmm. They were more equipped with the basic skills. Yep. As we are, you know, moving to the future, we are going to, you know, and uh, moving forward. This skills is lacking in the in the youth, and it is very important that you know the parents and the schools should ingrain these things, the very basic skills, into the youth. And unfortunately, you know, uh, there seems to be a downwards trend in learning essential skills, as I mentioned before in those classrooms. And uh, one study from Northern Ireland found that the number of both enrollments onto essential skills courses and the qualifications earned from it have significantly dropped for second consecutive years. So from last seven years, the, the you know, ratio is coming down. The mm-hmm. people are not learning the essential skills yep. And uh, it is very, you know, uh, worrying, you know, in a, in a sense, but I think we have to pay attention to these things and we have to understand that why it is important. If it's going down, then we have to, you know, work on this collectively. And time and time again, science has proven that teaching certain skills, household chores, sociability, forming positive relationships to our younger children can help them lead successful adult lives. Hmm. So it is very important to you know, to do, understand that why it is important and to work on this, uh, uh, this um, uh, to, to learn uh, essential skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, as you promised, we have our first guest with us, um, Mohsen Patel, a former cadets member. 
Um, so, um, uh, with this uh, small introduction, I would like oh. to, uh, uh, you know, welcome um, uh, Mosan Patel to our show. Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, hello? Hi, yes, can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, okay, perfect. Okay, so um, f- for the benefit our, for our uh, for our listeners, could you uh, inform us what uh, what cadets is? Uh, so cadets is basically a place where you um, go and you learn about the policing, more about the community, what the police does for the community, and also it eliminates stereotypes in the young people and the police uh, in a specific borough. So, for example, in London, we've got 32 boroughs, and each borough has got their own um, cadet team, and they take um, loads of interest in doing volunteering work for the community, as well as uh, teaching young people what the laws are about the policing, and also, on the completion of the cadet successfully, you get an easy route entry into policing. Hmm. Okay. Um, and, and what sort of skills do you learn um, and have you learned uh, as a cadet? So, one of the most important skills I think um, I have learned from cadets and have improved over years was uh, communication and teamwork. Um, so I wasn't originally from UK, and I came UK when I was 13, not knowing, you know, anything about the community, not knowing anything about the culture, what's going on in the UK, um, and it was very difficult for me. So that's why I joined Police Cadet. It really helped me improve my people skills, so mm. I can talk confidently, I can speak up. Uh, as well as working with the team they've got to could be like anything you know from volunteering from leafleting from doing activities that build your confidence and trust towards your team um, as well as discipline Mm -hmm. Um, and and um, is there a challenge that you had to overcome from your time as a cadet Yes, that was the main one, the me being in UK and having culture shock. But then slowly, gradually, I started communicating with people, you know, literally when I say communication in terms of my English, in terms of speaking, in terms of like speaking out confidently. I was uh, I was very shy, I remember, first when I joined. But then I worked my way through and there's also a hierarchy position inside cadets. So I made my way from normal cadet to the head cadet for the last few years that I was there. Um, so yeah, that was one of the challenges that I faced. Other one, I would say, it's like it's it's really challenging at the beginning, you know, to be part of a group and to not know anything. Also, there's this taboo thing around young people nowadays about policing and like how they're gonna present themselves in front of them. Because like they are the ones they teach you what to do in the community, you know. But I think what was really important is like the patience they have for you, and then they teach you, they learn you. Um, yeah, I think later on, as years go by or as the time goes by, 
you feel more confident as a person uh, with loads of like this valuable skills that you learn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what uh, would you encourage young people to join uh, cadets and why do you think they should join it? I think, yes, definitely. Um, young people nowadays, they should join this set because, um, you know, it, first of all, it gives you awareness of what's happening around the community. Mm-hmm. Like when we were doing, you know, I, I remember there was like a foster care Christmas party. We went for Baxi summer scheme, charity, volunteering work, you know, there's loads of events in the community that Felicidas actually volunteer for. So, first of all, it will raise the awareness, you know, rather than, like, just sticking to your phone or, like, just watching movies or, like, mm-hmm. you know, staying indoors, being busy like that. It's really important for you to engage with the community to know what's happening around you, um, uh, around the place that you live, and it's a great opportunity. Secondly, I think it's really important for young people to get involved in extracurricular activities mm-hmm. rather than just like seeking to study and you know just doing schoolwork and then coming home and then going back. With cadets, encourages them to go like you know be more outdoor, be more sporty, um, be more competitive, as well as gain these essential skills. You know you can be good at studies and everything. But then at the end of the day, you still need the confidence to talk to people, to socialize. Um, so it gives you so many valuable skills as a person and it helps you grow as a person. And I think it's essential for young people, all of them, to have this vital skills for when they're older, for the life, it's really useful. Indeed, indeed. Thank you very much, uh, Mosin, no for problem. joining us Thank and you. giving us insight. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Have a nice evening. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, we were speaking to Mosin Patel, a former cadet uh, member. Uh, she has discussed about uh, you know different uh, things, as you have heard. It was the, it was a pleasure speaking to her. Uh, as we were discussing before, uh, before our uh, respected guest, uh, we were discussing that the fundamental uh, or you know essential skills can be first aid, sign languages our self-defense, budgeting, and basic household. And we will be discussing this in the show. Of course, we cannot discuss every essential skill, but we have chosen a few of them, which we will be uh, discussing uh, now. So if we discuss the very first thing, which is first aid, you know, one of the first major life skills which people could benefit from, having at least a basic understanding of it, first aid, it could quite literally be Mm life-saving. You know, sometimes we think it's just, uh, you know, first aid uh, training where we should take it. I think it's one of the most important, most important uh, yes. skills that, to learn. Hap- I've seen people, you know, helping, uh, even though they didn't know that they, they were not there for that thing, but suddenly something happened. Yeah. And they knew it and they helped. Yes. And, the, you know, that satisfaction they felt afterwards, yeah. you know, it's just unbelievable. So, f- you know, it feels like it feels like you're a hero. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. You know, you feel like you're a hero. Yeah, yeah. You're right. And, you know, it helps you as well. And one day, it's a possibility that you can help somebody else. Definitely. And definitely. that that day you feel, you know, that yes, it was needed yeah. and it was right decision to, you know, have a had, had a training mm-hmm. uh, for, for first aid. Mm-hmm. And according to, you know, Adao Medical Academy, uh, here in some of the key uh, first aid skills everyone needs, needs into uh, toolkits, which I think if somebody is doing uh, first aid, they should know and they should have that in, in the toolkit. One is CPR. 
just explain CPR, you know, the knowing how to do it correctly, guidelines, you know, vary from adults and children. Mouth-to-mouth or rescue breeds may not be needed as is commonly portrayed in media and importance should be given to chest compression. So Some, chest compression is yes, more important yes, than exactly. mouth-to-mouth. Sometimes saying, you know, CPR is just that, it's not, hmm. you know. It 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 varies. You know, yeah. you don't know what you need on the time, but of mm-hmm. course, you know, chest uh, compression is is is, is mu- something is it's uh, necessary. Yeah, uh, Heimlich maneuver is another thing that uh, uh, which is important, and knowing when to mm. use it as well. Um, if you're using a part a partial choking where the person still has part of the airway open Hmm. and is able to speak, it can lead the blockage further down to the airway and become more dangerous than allowing them to cuff it out of themselves. Um, Again, another thing is a setting a a splint, uh, trying to move a broken bone can also be something which is, you know, dangerous. So knowing how to uh, use basic household materials mm. uh, to set a uh, rigid splint can protect the injury from uh, worsening until proper medical help is you know found so till the medical help actually arrives this uh, skill is important another yeah. skill is um um, stopping a bleed, uh, so stopping not just from cut you know small cuts but when it's like a continuous bleed yes. uh for example, if an injury is rooted in a main artery or vein, it can take as little as 10 to 15 minutes to bleed out completely. Mm-hmm. Um, learning how to make a, uh, a tourniquet is a, sim- uh, is a simple and life-saving skill to have. So, uh, again, this is a very essential skill to learn. Um, and sometimes we have you know, burns as well, right? So treating a burn and and, and being able to recognize the difference between a first, the second, and the third degree burns will help you work out how to treat them. Avoid the myth of, you know, butter soothing burned skin as, as this can actually trap the heat into the skin and cause more damage. Um, one of the things which we have learned, uh, you know, very, uh, from a very young age is uh, running the, uh, the, the, the place where it's burned under cold water. Um, and this is used for uh, first and the second degree. So it's important to understand what the first and second degrees and the difference between first, second and third degree in order to, um, you, know, you know, treat them in, in a proper way. You're very much right. You know, regarding uh, you mentioned about the choking. Yeah, you know it happens quite many times. I've seen you know, especially in children. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, they're yes. sitting right in front of you. Yeah. They have something as having a basic fruit. Yeah, and you know it's stuck. Yes, and the very in the very same time you're stuck as well. You what to do? Yes, and have you it, have you ever yes, experienced twice? That? And oh, wow. it was, you know, I, I, my wife. Uh, you know, she was shivering because even though she's a doctor. Oh yes, <laughs> she has, you know, she knows. But something what happened as a mother, yeah, she was looking at the children that you know children had the choked, and now what to do? Yeah, and even though I didn't know, <laughs> but I tried my, you know, skills <laughs> to do something because okay. you don't know what to do at that time. Right, and that that day I learned that these things can be very dangerous. Yeah, sometimes you don't have time. 
to take their children, you know, hmm. to hospital. Yeah. Sometimes you are at a place where which is very quite far from the hospital. Yeah. If you're at home, of course, the hospital might be 15, 20 minutes away. Mm -hmm. But even then, you know, the, the child start getting blue and he cannot speak. Or, you know, you, you can see and, you know, the, when you see a children, your, your, your child, <clears throat> he having that, uh, you know, problem. Yeah. When the very same time, you know, I've, I've seen myself that what happens to, to, to parents. I think for the parents especially and for, for everybody, they should learn especially the skills in choking. It's yeah. a very fundamental thing I've seen. You must have seen the video as well where, uh, you know, a child was choked and uh, uh, the, the a person, he didn't know how to basically uh, do, uh, has a training of this, but yeah. he had some kind of device. Right. And, so, you know, he, he put it in there so he can sock that thing out. <laughs> what device? I hope it's, yeah. it wasn't a vacuum cleaner. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's something like that, but I think it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's widely available. Okay. So to take okay. that out because... In children, you can't do anything, and you can't like you know. Normally, you basically you know hold the person and try to yeah you know yeah. pump inside and just hold it and, hold and, and lift it lift up it and, and so say so yes, can, yes. Can, can, but you can do it with an adult. But yes, how would you do it with exactly. a child? Yeah. So it was a bit difficult. That's why I think they made that the device. Right. Uh, but you know, it is something very important. As you know, bleeding, as you were saying, of course, sometimes has a very uh, excessive bleeding. But sometimes, even at home, yeah, you know. By cutting something, you have a very sharp knife, yes. and your your finger is bleeding very severely. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that, for just for that, how to stop it? How dangerous could it be? You know, yeah. you're all you uh, on your own. You have to drive, and meanwhile, the blood is keep coming out for yeah. half an hour. Yeah, it's not good. Even though it might be you know less quantity, but at the end, if you know the basic skills, it will definitely help you to you know uh, foster your own self and you yeah. know uh, do kind of some kind of. Uh, and, and and help your children like exactly, you said that indeed. Uh, if if the adults Ma know it exactly many times happen in, the, in house especially children are doing something mm. and they hurt themselves and sometime even though you know they cannot reach to the knives but you don't know children you know they they you bring the know. chair and they just you know get up yeah. on the chair opening especially the, when you say that don't touch this yes you know, that's the, why I try yeah. not to say anything I, I know I try okay. to just okay. That that thing away from him, yes. from them. You know, when so, you say don't touch it, they'll they'll <laughs> definitely they will touch. They'll, way, they'll make ways to yeah. to go to and find out uh, the way how to, to reach <laughs> yes. that thing. Mm -hmm. this, uh, then another thing I would like to add in is you know spotting a co uh, consciousness, a, a concussion, con concussion. Yes. Sorry, you know symptoms such as dizziness. Yeah, you know. Uh, can be you know sometimes we can see the people having dizziness but we don't know what to do mm -hmm. you know sometimes we ourselves sometimes we have a you know some kind of dizziness and we don't yeah. know what to do with ourselves mm -hmm. normally you sit down you have drink water but you know there should be something the skills they should learn that how to protect people if they are facing these things yeah you know as we can see these skills can be Essentially, in an emergency situation, and not enough people are confident and uh, uh, in providing them for others in need of help. Yeah. And in Islam uh, has a very beautiful teaching about it. You know, Islam grants great uh, important importance to help people. You just not be doing for your own self. You should be doing things so so you can help. You know, community, yeah. mankind, and God Almighty says that what is the matter with you? That you help not one another. Wow, such so, a such a small, but uh, God wants so to say why you don't message. think about these things. Yeah, you have to help each other. Yeah, you know, 
even at home you have to help each other mm-hmm. if somebody everybody say okay i'm going to do my thing i'm going to do my thing you will end up with nothing yeah everybody has to come together isn't it yes if we are global community we are global family and we yeah. have to come together even though you know one thing it's not in uh, <clears throat> related to this thing one thing uh, we quite often discuss in this um, in this show the poverty going on people people are hungry yeah. they don't have electricity they don't have money to feed themselves mm. mm-hmm. i think for that if a neighbor start helping the other neighbor yeah the problem can be solved straight away so true. true i mean it's 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 so um ridiculous to know mm. the fact that you know we have let's say thousands of billionaires exactly millions of millionaires right i'm i'm just giving a number i mean we have so many well, of people rich people exactly. um and only few of them you know i i, I was reading somewhere and I, d- i don't remember but only few of them maybe less than 10 people on earth mm. can actually help the poorer countries or extremely poor people on earth to to you know to not to be poor anymore it's Im- it's not impossible it's possible yeah. so this this first of the holy quran you know uh, you know tells us that what is the matter to, to you mm. why do you not you know consider helping uh, people who are in need why are you wasting mm. the money in luxurious things that you don't even need and once you die you don't take anything with you exactly so you know it's 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 true and uh, the day we start you know realize this and start helping others yeah you, you know you start understanding the purpose of coming to this world yep you know just these sense skills or any other way if you're helping somebody mm-hmm. that you are fulfilling one of the purpose of coming to this earth yep you know there are in islam there are two purposes which has been mentioned one is to you know fulfill the rights of god almighty yep and the second is fulfill the rights of human being mm-hmm. the mankind and there are so many ways that one can help you know each other mm-hmm. you know um, myself uh, as we you know we are from uh, pakistan originally even though <laughs> there's so many things going on but in this you know small society we knew each other that who can do this thing and who can do that and sometimes okay. we need of somebody we can call you know just call him yes and he would come without charge yeah. exactly right. so he would come and help us you know without charging anything okay. it was like a family isn't it right even though i've seen here as well if you know they are live people you know the people are living in a society or maybe in a, in a place from last 50 or 100 years they know each other hmm. they know just call jack he will do this and just right. call william he he knows yeah. how to fix this or he would help so they would do you know even even here as well so if we start doing this yeah. then definitely you know we'll have a better society and definitely. for that we need to learn the skills if definitely. we don't have the skills definitely we can't help anyone <laughs> definitely okay <yeah. coughs> so one of the most important skills <coughs> that we have and we should have is the language hmm. uh, there are many aspects of uh, language and communications which can be considered essential skills uh, these include reading uh, writing sign languages as well and learning a second language so for me and you we uh, are fortunate to have a second language maybe a third language and a fourth language mm. so know, knowing a different language actually uh, build bridges as well right True. so according to a national literacy trust 16.4% of adults in England or 7.1 mil- million people can be described as having very poor literacy skills 
And this means they struggle to read information from unfamiliar sources or topics and is known as being functionally literate. So, um, you know, it's it's an important topic. It's an, it's an important skill to know because if you don't know it, uh, if you don't know how to read, then sometimes wherever you go, it will be difficult for you to, you know, read the signs or read read the, the boards or read the rules of wherever you're going, right? Also, a lot of, uh, you know, the time it's difficult to communicate as well. So um, we have our second uh, guest for this hour, um, Chloe Thomas, um, who is a the Duke of Edinburgh Gold uh, Award winner. So... Um, Assalamu alaikum, peace be upon you, and welcome to our show. Oh, yes. Hello. Hi. Um, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, yes. I'm, we're doing well, uh, with the grace of Allah. Um, thank you for joining in. Um, so, uh, could you tell us about your experience of completing the Duke of Edinburgh? Yeah, so I completed it sort of when I was in sixth form of school, mm-hmm. and... I went on an expedition in the Brecon Beacons and really, really enjoyed it with my friends. Mm-hmm. And also I completed sort of the physical side, the skill and um, the volunteer work as well. Okay. So uh, what motivated you to com- uh, com- uh, complete the Duke of Edinburgh? Um, I quite enjoy sort of going out and doing walking anyway, but... I was told that it looked really good for my personal statement for university in terms of having that award there. Mm-hmm. It also gave me a chance, um, as I was doing sort of skills anyway and doing volunteer work, it, it made sure that I could sort of build towards a qualification, which was quite a nice opportunity for me to complete. Mm-hmm. So what skills have you learned from doing the Duke of Edinburgh and have they helped you in your everyday life? Yeah, so I would say probably the main one was um, resilience, which Mm. I always think is extremely useful in everyday life, probably because the expedition especially was very challenging. We we completed it in quite sort of challenging weather and it took a lot of determination to actually complete it. Um, so I would say that that's one of the skills I've learned. I also think working together as a team to do things like navigation, to make sure that we were cooking our food, to be able to put up tents, for example, to just working together with people to complete things that I'd never actually had any experience doing before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would definitely recommend that. Uh, true. You know, could I, well, just, to, just for the benefit of our listeners, would you like to explain that how one can... You know, if somebody wants to become a Duke, is it something can be done by everybody or something special? <laughs> yeah, so um, I did it through my school. Mm-hmm. I think normally a lot of schools do give people the opportunity to do that. Obviously, if people want more information, they can just go online and find um, Duke Edinburgh information. Like I did the Gold Award. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went straight into doing that one which mm-hmm. is slightly more challenging, but there is the bronze and silver as well, which aren't as sort of time-consuming and the expedition is a little bit shorter. So there's kind of options for different ways to complete the qualification. Mm-hmm. So what do you learn in this? In terms of what do I learn in the whole qualification? Yes, that's right. 
Um, so I think for me, I found sort of the expedition the most useful because with the physical side of it, I was already doing like lots of sports so I could just get that signed off. Um, with the skill, I think what I did was I did a music exam for um, playing the piano. So I was already learning that anyway, but it meant I could put those towards disqualification. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, what was the other one? The volunteer work. I helped out sort of coaching some netball. So mm-hmm. again, that can look different for different people. But right. I learned lots of... Um, time management skills as well because I had to do it on top of all of my studies for A-level. Okay, that's great. Uh, why would you encourage others to complete the Duke of Edinburgh? Um, could you please explain this as well, that what are the benefits of doing it and why would you, why everybody should try to do it? Um, I think it's very beneficial in terms of obviously the skills that I've said mm-hmm. that I take away from it, but also if people are looking towards going to universities or apprenticeships, then actually it's really valuable sort of discussion point for interviews. Like when I applied for universities, it came up at every single interview I had and actually it gives you a little bit more to talk about and they also look very fondly upon a qualification like that because it sort of makes you stand out from other people in terms of future opportunities. That's true. Thank you very much, um, Chloe, for joining us today. It was uh, indeed it was a pleasure speaking to you for giving us insight uh, for, for for you know your own the Duke of Edinburgh and uh, for other to you know learn from these things and join uh, this uh, you know experience. Thank you very much for joining us today and giving us us insight. No problem. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Uh, this was Chloe Thomas, Duke of Edinburgh Gold Award winner you were listening to. And uh, <clears throat> she has discussed about her experience uh, completing the Duke of Edinburgh. And uh, so as uh, she has uh, mentioned what sk- skills she had learned and how the skill helped, uh, you know, in her uh, daily life and why a person should be doing it. Of course, when you do this kind of, uh, you know, courses and uh, you learn different things. They are different as she was mentioning, she has done so many things, she has learned so many things. And of course, the, those are all our skills. So it's better to join these kind of activities and, uh, you know, which helps us in our daily life, which makes us, a you know, more uh, a person who can benefit uh, others more than others. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we were discussing about, um, you know, one of the skills that is important in mm. our life is, is language, right? And uh, there are you know, people in every country, you can say, um, who uh, do not know uh, how to read or how to uh, write, let's say. And and uh, and uh, don't think that uh, you're alone, uh, whoever is listening. And, and if you may know someone who does not know, um, uh, you know, how to read or write, you can also, you can always, you know, get into courses that could help you to learn this uh, you know, skill, you know, skill of learning languages. And I think Duolingo is one of the, um, you know, very easy hmm. and and very beneficial apps to learn any language that you want to learn, actually. Um, and, uh, you know, in the modern foreign languages taught in the schools, uh, you know, typically 
they they consist of uh, Spanish, French, and German, and some experts think it may be beneficial for young people to branch out and learn languages such as Japanese, Italian, Mandarin, or even Arabic. Right, and, and Arabic is also a very interesting language to learn because it's it's got really uh, you know the roots. One word could mean so many other words, True. and 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 to understand the Holy Quran as well, sometimes it's you know important to know the root words, um, and and so you can uh, understand the depth depth of of the verses of the Holy Quran. Absolutely right. You know, it's uh, uh, some languages are you know sometimes hard to learn, even though yeah. you hard to learn how things has you know how you have to structure the things, but the beauty of, uh, you know the beauty of Arabic is that if you learn the f- basic fundamentals, yeah, then you can you know uh, put the word on the structure and you would know how structure would come. Yep. What should be coming there? What should not be coming there? So there are if you learn the basically grammar, you would be easily hmm. you know can speak uh, Arabic after learning the vocabulary, of course. Yeah. But in other language, sometimes you know even though you know you learn something like this, but it ends up no, it can't be like this. Hmm. You know, in English, sometimes. You know the C word, the word C cat, can be used in different, you know, the uh, uh, different um, articulation points or different uh, sounds. Yeah, I've seen so many times when people are learning, they face these things that they think the C is pronounced like this, but sometimes C is pronounced another way. You know, the funny thing is that, uh, uh, you know, I'm from Belgium mm-hmm. and. Uh, and the in Belgium, whatever you write, you would read exactly the exactly way the it is, yeah. right? <laughs> and <laughs> the struggle that I had <laughs> when I came to UK is that I had to learn every single word, the pronunciation of it, because <laughs> you can't rely on how it is, what what it is spelled like. So exactly, the spelling yes. doesn't matter. You just need to know um, what the how yes. you pronounce it, basically. And uh, people struggle a lot actually for these things, and they yeah. they have to either they have to work a lot on themselves yeah. and learn exactly the way it should be pronounced because by looking at the word it's very simple to read like this but if at the end it's not like that yeah you know sometimes the the, the the some words are silent hmm. so arabic as we're mentioning is very easy you know it's um, if you know the uh, the fundamental you know the 28 or 29 alphabets it's you know sounds similar if if comes anywhere in Arabic, and you simply need to remember those, and you know structure, and then you you need to vocabulary, and then you start speaking. Yeah. And it is one of the you know uh, people consider it a difficult language, but it can be easier, very easy, if you go with the proper procedure to learn it. Yeah, the easiest way to learn any language mm. is actually by speaking it. True. Uh, this is the easiest way, and uh, uh, and one more step to learn it, even and force you to learn it is go to that specific country Hmm. and speak to the locals locals uh, who surroundings you should be surrounded with those people who are speaking the same language who who will speak the same language Hmm. of course I think we have also a very interesting um, a audio clip of Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community may Allah have mercy on him uh, who answered a question um, in regards to languages, I think why it is important to learn multiple languages. So let's listen to this audio. I can only discuss in principle that uh, in every form of education, in secular education or whatever education you call it, 
you have to push your chi a bit, yeah. a bit, eh? for a while to a certain degree. And uh, without that, the children will refuse to go to school. You have to do some pushing, but a moderate pushing, which does not injure their psyche, does not, uh, you know, destroy their self-confidence and self-respect. So that sort of pushing which goes over the edge and begins to become a habit for the child itself so that ultimately he grows with these psychic traumas and become distorted in his attitude. That is wrong wherever, in whatever form it is exercised. The ideal way is to love the child and to bring him so close to you that uh, to earn your pleasure becomes a you know a dedication of the child is dedicated to earn your pleasure and that can happen it, I know this happens easily if the child knows that you love the child and you are the only source of uh, reliance at every time of crisis then the child would always look up to you for uh, finding approval in your eyes. And this is exactly what is taqwa in relation to God. If you have taqwa, then you always look up to God's pleasure and uh, that uh, carves your way and um, sets you on the right path. There is no need to uh, seek, I mean, to wait for the wrath of God to set you right. So that is why if you train your children aright in the same style as your attitude to God is uh, defined in the Holy Quran. Not that you are God to the child, but the attitude remains the same. Then there is no need of any pushing whatsoever. The child would always try to please you because it will be his pleasure to remain on the right side of you. And as far as the overloading is concerned, it is just a misconcept of the people that if a child is taught more than one or two languages, he is being overloaded. The psychologists who have worked long in this field and experimented, they give us with full authority, they tell us with their full authority of experience that a child can easily be taught six languages simultaneously without being overloaded. And uh, if you wait for him to grow older, the more difficult it would become for him to learn more than one language. And if you don't teach him any other language up to 12, then he will, it will be very difficult. If you teach him at least two, three languages simultaneously right from the beginning, then even when he becomes adult, he still would have the capacity and capability of learning more languages. Because you are born linguist, you know, that sort of thing. Everybody is born alike, but some have been trained right from the early childhood to learn languages and uh, they acquire that special knack in the brain. The, the computer is attuned to that, that art and the work. So there is no pushing in that. So learning the language is concerned, there is no pushing, that's helping children. Indeed. Um learning a new language is it's 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 a skill that is beneficial for everyone 
and uh, you know and and it's 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 a skill that uh, helps people to you know connect with others as well um and also a language that helps you to gain knowledge you know any um country you go to if you know the language you can learn about others as well so a uh, very useful skill indeed um one of the skills that we know sometimes and sometimes we don't know is um you know household skills uh, diy's or cooking and budgeting etc etc so arguably the most essential skills of them all are the ones which are used in everyday household lives um and we can say that most of the skills that are done at how in 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 homes um it, it's it's very important and people usually sometimes when when the when we live with our parents we don't learn these skills but you know suddenly when we move out we then understand that learning these skills uh, when you start a new 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 house it's important to know them it's it's very shockingly uh it's very shocking that the brits they only you know 28% of brits they claimed that they had no idea how to cook when they graduated from university as i said you know when they graduated they started living their own you know on their own and 28% doesn't know how to cook so what will you do you will depend on fast foods how long will you depend on fast foods furthermore about a quarter of adults said they lacked confidence in the kitchen and were only able to cook three uh tried and tested recipes so the most popular dishes that brits cook from scratch are sausage and mash beans and toast and spaghetti many people claim they are afraid of messing up and wasting ingredients um, you know which uh, keep getting more and more expensive nowadays so they don't try to branch out for more food so people try to keep it simple as possible One study found that only 4 in 10 British people knew more than 9 recipes uh with the average person only having 6 meals in their repertoire. For those who struggle in the kitchen, there are lots of ways to gain confidence and get started such as using pre-cut vegetables, pre-mixed seasoning packets, meal kits and and um even you know vi- video tutorials and you know you can learn everything online. but but learning and knowing these skills is very essential of course as we can see there is a whole range of essential skills that many of us could probably benefit from picking up or brushing off whether they help you to save money make life easier for someone else or even save a life in an emergency there's always something new to be learned so always learning something is very important as muslims It is our duty to seek out knowledge and answer the question answer the questions that we need to know only Allah is all knowing so mankind is on a never ending quest for gaining knowledge the holy prophet peace and blessings on Allah upon him uh, once said that the world the word of wisdom is a lost property of a muslim so that wherever he finds it he should take it as he is most entitled to it so whenever you find a knowledge you know use it learn it uh, may allah allow us all to be successful in the pursuit of knowledge 
and be able to be the benefit to the mankind with the skills we acquire. Because without benefiting others, we cannot, you know, achieve love and spread love. So learning skills and helping others and teaching others is very important. Here is the five o'clock news. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. Illness means the condition when the body does not function normally. And health is the condition when all natural matters function in their proper way. The moving away of a hand or foot or any other limb from its proper position causes pain. And if this condition persists for a time, not only the affected limb becomes useless, but it begins to affect other limbs also. The same is the case with the soul. When a person moves away from God, who is the true source of his life, and departs from the religion of nature, he is involved in suffering, and if his heart is not dead and retains its feeling, he feels the torment keenly. If this condition is not reformed, there is an apprehension that all spiritual faculties might gradually become useless and a severe torment might ensue. Thus no suffering comes from outside. All suffering is generated within a person. A new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace be upon you and welcome back to the Voice of Islam um, drive time show. We were discussing in the previous hour um, the life skills and essential skills that is important for us to know and you know and why it is important what skills we can learn um so we discussed with our experts as well and and the importance of learning the skills um now i would like to go and speak about the next topic which we introduced in the previous hour already which is the origin of life where did it originate from? How did it start? And of course, we will be discussing um, and giving an insight on what religion and specifically Islam teaches us um, what, uh, where the life actually started from. See, so the origin of life has been uh, and will continue to be a complex and broad topic that humankind attempts to examine. It's human nature to make, to attempt to understand how life started and to be able to trace back our existence as far we can. It is not the desire to understand that's in conflict. It's the mechanism of how we came to be that leaves many schools of thoughts at odds. Some believe that religion and science must be opposed on the true source of our creation. But in fact, this uh, dichotomy does not exist. Join us as we discuss evolution and Islam's perspective on the origin of life. So, one of the things um, <clears throat> that we are planning to discuss is the evolution, um, which is not a game of chance, you know, because. According to the Islamic teachings, 
life resulted from evolution. Yes, as you were saying, uh, according to Islamic teaching, life results from evolution and however it identifies the harmony and complexity of uh, creation and declares that all this could not have come from its own accord. It's not something which happens without, you know, anybody. There should be a being, there should be something which which made us so perfect because in our life we see that without somebody or without a power or without you know some somebody doing something you cannot have something perfect it yeah. can't it's not possible that if you think about something and the, everything is messed up and everything will come uh, in in its place and everything is perfectly running from the last thousand years yeah exactly L- let's look at this this for example uh, this table here yeah. right you know there is someone who you know is behind the uh, making of this table right so human right so the who has created the human right that's exactly. that's another thing to understand who the, we we're living on the table right it's on the floor the floor is you know it's it's built on on on, on this building right the building is on 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 the earth right mm. the earth is balanced uh with 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 our uh, galaxy and 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 the sun, right? Mm. So it it all depends on each other. Who has created who? So who has exactly. created the galaxy? Who has created the universe? Who has created everything? So if we look at the creator, right, we should always think that you know there must be someone who's behind every single thing because every single thing that we see at the moment, there is a creator behind it. So yes. there is someone who has started, you know. Um, and and for the first thing that okay now it should come to being and 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 they have done something in order to uh, for this thing to be there right yes you know for this particular topic to understand origin of life one needs to understand the existence of God Almighty as well yes if somebody is just want to understand origin of life mm. without understanding that there is a God yeah it's not possible mm. if there's a being. It cannot be a being who just created it without any reason. Hmm. If there is a reason, it has to be a living being who wants something from us. That's why he created us in a perfect manner, very hmm. beautiful. We go around the world. We have hmm. lists, you know, the countries where hmm. we ha- I want to go there, there, I want to go there, I want to visit there, I want to enjoy that beach, you know, want to go, uh, you know, this particular area to see the beauty of this universe yeah how beautiful it is so for this reason we have to understand that the existence of god almighty yeah one i would like to narrate one of the <coughs> one uh, you know incident there was a saintly person in islam who had a debate with an atheist yeah one the atheist used to say there's no god and the saintly person used to say there is a god they decided that they will sit together they will have a debate and they will see the who will win the debate so what happened on the day everybody started arriving from different areas to you know to see who going to win mm. who will you know who will win and who will uh, show us <clears throat> whether there's a god or there's no god yep so what happened this saintly person he didn't come on time he was not there people were waiting for him they waited and waited and then the person who was on the open and he starts saying that okay i won he didn't have an answer that's why he's not here right so what happened when people start leaving he was run he start you know came running from the other side he said stop 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 
They said, okay, why were you late? So he said that I was on the other side of the river. I missed the boat. I was waiting for the boat. I couldn't find the boat. What happened, there was a tree. The tree, you know, the trunk, mm-hmm. you know, fell into the water. Mm-hmm. The trunk became a boat. Mm-hmm. And then I tra- traveled from that boat and crossed the river. <laughs> and people start saying, how is it possible? Don't, you know, portray us, you know, the, the jokes, which, which is not, you know, uh, understandable. How is it possible even, you know, automatically, you know, the the, the tree became to a trunk and it fell down in the water and then automatically, it, you know, uh, became a boat and then you, you know, traveled uh, mm. and came from one side or the other. Mm. He said, this is the answer for this. I came late purposely. I want you to understand if a boat cannot be created yeah. without any being and without anything, is it cannot create himself. Yeah. Similarly, it's not possible that this world can be created without a, without a creator. A creator, yeah. So, and that time, everybody starts shouting that he won the debate. Right. Because from only one example, he showed the existence of God Almighty. That was an easy debate, you know. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, he, he purposely came late to just to make them understand. Otherwise, they would have spoke, you know, uh, speaking for a long time. Yeah. He wanted to give that simple, you know, for those people who, who don't want to go in details, they want to understand very simple things. Yeah. So for the existence of God, we have to understand there's so many things going around us. Hmm. You know, we can't think, you know, if we have a phone, it start making calls, it start mm. doing everything. You have to do something to do basically, uh, you know, something to happen. And that's what we are basically discussing, the origin of life. So we have to understand there is a God who started this. And of course, we will be discussing this topic further in detail. Now, uh, we will be uh, going to our first guest, uh, Dr. Naya Koka, uh, joining uh, us today with, uh, is it, is it there? Okay. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you. Walaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Thank you for having me. Thank you, uh, Dr. Nair, for joining us today in the Voice of Islam show. You know, um, we have just been chatting about how of a single factor in the composition of our atmosphere changed. Human life could not survive. The odds of such perfect tem- chemical position are nearly impossible. Yet here we are. What is the Islamic take on this and how this is possible? Um, so, you know, it's important to see what the Quran actually says about it before going into the scientific thought behind it. But the importance to note, and one of the most important guiding principles that is mentioned uh, in the following verse of the Holy Quran, uh, which reads, you know, the same God uh, who has created seven heavens and stages, no incongruity can you see in the creation of the gracious God. Then look again. Do you see any flaw? You know, people who inherently believe, uh, you know, in a design, you know, obviously, uh, you know, when they believe in a design and that the universe was created following a very, um, you know, a, a, a set of laws that were put into motion, uh, will always, you know, go back to the thought that uh, it, there is a designer uh, because it's, it's logical. You know, if there is a grand design, then there is a designer. Um, whether they are scientists or not, uh, you know, that is irrespective. Um, so when the word says that there are no flaws or incongruity that you see in nature, you know, many of these uh, evolutionary processes that we see, um, you know, from a, from a standpoint of genetics that are so complicated, uh, you know, and the fact that at every turn of the evolutionary process, 
you know, the ability of genetic material to form the correct traits and help life, you know, not only survive, but to thrive on this planet with its delicate and intricate relationship with the environment. And, and always that, that direction is, is, is never misdirected. It's always in the right direction. Then it becomes a very undeniable clause uh, that God exists. And, uh, you know, the perfection with which life has come into existence on this planet and elsewhere is, is a testament to the existence of that creator. And, you know, scientists who have made, you know, some of the most impactful discoveries of the 20th century, and, you know, we, we, we see so many scientists that actually, you know, speak about this design, you know, the, mm-hmm. whether or not they're speaking from a, from, an, from a spiritual perspective or they're speaking from a purely scientific thought, but there are many scientists around the world, and especially, you know, in modern times, who have, you know, definitely given us some direction uh, towards this, this creator. Uh, you know, for example, uh, you know, the, 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 there's, there's one scientist, uh, you know, the, the Crick, who actually discovered the double helix structure of the DNA, and he was awarded the Nobel Prize for it. Mm-hmm. And he basically says that such an occurrence, uh, you know, or, or you know, the, the probability of, uh, you know, life uh, originating from accident is comparable to the probability of the unabridged uh, dictionary resulting from an explosion in a printing shop. It's, it, it's you know, what, what they're trying to say that it's a completely absurd idea to even entertain the thought that, you know, life can take these directions and the, 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 the chemical structure that we see uh, with which organisms are created, the organic material that is basically used for the creation of life came into existence without uh, any, um, you know, external interference. And so, uh, you know, it, it basically alludes to that fact. And, you know, the Islamic take on this is very simple. As I've already mentioned the worst before you, that it basically alludes to the fact that there is a, cr- a creator and there's a grand design uh, behind all of these factors which are responsible for the composition of our atmosphere and and without that the human life could not have existed and so that's that's uh, that's my take on this thing and one more one more um you know theory that i want to add from um fred hoyle who was mm-hmm. a renowned uh, british astronomer uh, who says that such an occurrence uh you know is is likely as the assemblage of a of a 747 uh, jumbo jet by a tornado whirling through a junkyard. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's just a, it's just an impossible thought to have that you know if there's a grand design, there has to be a grand designer. Jazakallah. Uh, thank you very much for giving a very detailed answer for this. Uh, could you tell us that was the first living organism was on Earth? Under what condition did it adapt and survived? All right, okay, you guys ready for a history lesson? Uh, yes, we are. All right, let's, <laughs> let's do this. Okay, so if you go back in time uh, three and a half billion years ago, that's mm-hmm. when, you know, life started to, you know, take shape and form on Earth. But back then, about three and a half billion years ago, the environment on Earth was anoxic. And what that basically means that uh, the the atmosphere was devoid of oxygen. And we all know that all the organisms that we see around us, whether they're plant-based life or they're eukaryotic organisms, humans, animals, insects, they all metabolize oxygen. And that is the key element that is responsible for uh, you know, providing energy to our cells. 
and that's what helps us breathe, and that's what helps us keep, you know, stay alive. And so back then, because of the anoxic environment, um, guess what was not there? The ozone layer. The ozone layer mm-hmm. is basically a byproduct of oxygen molecules coming together, so it forms an O3 uh, molecule that protects the Earth from uh, cosmic radiation and very harsh magnetic radiations which are released from the sun. And this was actually, uh, mind you, this was actually a very important element because, in fact, it was the absence of oxygen which was, uh, essential, which was an essential um, a prerequisite for the synthesis of organic materials from inorganic material. Mm-hmm. And so once those organic materials started to come into life, or, you know, the organic material, an example of that would be amino acids. So when these amino acids start to, started to form on Earth, it started to give way to life. And so the most earliest form of life that we see on Earth were prokaryotic organisms. And, you know, in this day and age, those prokaryotic organisms are known as bacteria. There are also other prokaryotic organisms like archaea, but I will focus on bacteria for the sake of this discussion. So the first form of uh, you know, bacteria that inhabited the planet were um, obviously feeding off the, the, you know, the inorganic materials and the organic materials uh, that were present in the environment, such as sulfur and sulfide compounds, and they were being broken down to release energy so that they could survive. But then came along a very special kind of bacteria, and that bacteria is called the cyanobacteria. The cyanobacteria had the ability uh, to convert the power of the sun or the power of the sunlight through photosynthesis into oxygen. Now, remember, at this time, there was absolutely no oxygen on planet Earth. And so cyanobacteria was that first, uh, if, you, if, you know, if, if you want to put it into very layman terms, the first kind of like a plant-based life on Earth. And so because of that oxygen being um, transferred into the environment, you know, it started to give way to other life forms. And, and so, and so, so, you know, just to recap that answer, uh, you know, the prokaryotic life was the first form of life on this planet. And that basically gave, uh, you know, weight for other eukaryotic organisms to, um, you know, take life. As a matter of fact, a lot of the you know theory about evolution, for example, there are organelles inside the cells of eukaryotic structures, like like eukaryotic cells, like uh, mitochondria, and there's a there's a theory about how mitochondria was actually the you know the the merger between uh, bacteria life and eukaryotic cells, and that's what gave rise to the mitochondria structure within cells. So a lot of that can be you know so so a lot of that. Uh, you know, uh, first form of life, or the you can say the origin of life can be can be traced back to this prokaryotic life on Earth. Uh, thank you, uh, Thank you, Dr. Nayyab. Uh, the last question: What is clay theory, and how does Islam view this? What does Islam say about the origin of life? Um. So, the clay theory is basically you know, the ability of, um, or, or let, me, let me just go back and very, uh, you know, in, in a more, more rudimentary fashion, if I can mention this, that clay, you know, according to many scientists, uh, has played a pivotal role in the synthesis of organic material. Mm-hmm. So let's just, you know, understand that, you know, it, you know we, we call it the primordial soup, 
you can you can call it whatever you want to call it but that was basically you know where life originated that compound those structures that were created using mud and water was the earliest form of organic material that is responsible for the creation of life um, you know it, it basically you know that theory basically uh, showed how clays are subjected to cycles of uh, wetting and drying and that wetting and drying cycle can link molecules together uh, and one very good example of that is is again what i'd mentioned earlier amino acids uh, and and especially a very important amino acid called glycine and this cycling you know transferred energy from the environment into organic molecules so it's like a it's like a storage of energy you can you can consider these organic molecules to be a battery and that mm-hmm. battery that saved energy in the form of chemical compounds can now be utilized by life forms so uh you know this theory that has that has been proposed by by some of these scientists um, you know, was was very uh, aptly mentioned in the Quran. You know, we, we, we have to take a pause here mm-hmm. and go back into thinking how beautifully the Quran, you know, illustrated this 1,400 years ago. And people in the 20th and 21st century are now beginning to really understand the significance of how the clay uh, or the formation of clay played a role in the, in the formation of man um, as we see it. So the the Quran, uh, there are two verses of the Holy Quran that actually, um, you know, uh, mention this. The first one is, and surely we created man from dry, ringing clay mm-hmm. made from stagnant, blackish mud. The second verse reads, he created man from dry, ringing clay like pieces of pottery. Now, now, now the other important thing we have to understand that clay is a combination of, you know, mud, you know, is, is a combination of of silica or sand and water. And so there's another verse in the Holy Quran that also points towards this and says that we have created all life from water. And so, you know, there are researches that are done that have been conducted in the United States as well. This one's research that comes out of University of California that says, discussing the role of uh, kaolinate clays in the early stages of chemical evolution argues that they can gather energy from the environment store it, and then release it when the clay is suitably disturbed by repeated wetting and drying process. So, you know, there, there are some really absurd ideas out there uh, which we should not entertain because they're very dogmatic in their, uh, in their approach. So those, those theories talk about how, you know, um, uh, you know, there was, you know, there was the mixing of earth and water and, you know, the drying it up to a degree until it achieved the consistency of a modeling clay. Mm-hmm. And voila, uh, you know, Adam came into existence. So mm-hmm. that is not the correct approach to this theory. The, the, the important thing to understand here is that there is an evolutionary process through which every life form had to take. Um, and, you know, all this miracle that was created, uh, you know, is, is, uh, is, is something that has a very deep connection between science and religion. And so the more you read about this topic, the more you will understand and the more it will be clear to you that there is absolutely no flaw in here. Every direction that the environment had given to, um, you know, uh, the, the, the environment took as part of the evolutionary process was, was the right direction. And then there was nothing that would go against 
the law of nature, but at the same time, uh, it's not a random event. Uh, because if it's if you would say that it's random, then it's chaotic. And I would say that at best, if you were to describe this, I would say it's a, it's a designed chaos. <laughs> so that's, the, that's the easiest way of putting this, that it's a designed chaos. And there's nothing, it's nothing short of a miracle for sure. But you have to th- think about this from a very scientific aspect. I hope that answers the question. There are other details that I can give about the ringing clay, but that becomes uh, a purely a, a Quranic concept. I think so it would be great uh, if you would like to touch uh, that thing because most of our listeners are, you know, would uh, happy to have insight of the Holy Quran as well to understand more about this topic because it's something very important and uh, most most of the time it comes up uh, in the discussion and you should have have the you know, right answer for it. Otherwise, you know, uh, you're stuck. Uh, you can't really mention the, that uh, the existence of God. I think our youngsters should know uh, the uh, deep understanding of this uh, particular topic. I, I absolutely agree, and uh, and let me um, you know let me explain that a little bit more. So if we can go back to that verse that I uh, mentioned earlier, we created man of dry ringing clay of black mud wrought into shape. Mm-hmm. You know the creation of man uh, from dry ringing clay, uh, which is mentioned in the in the Arabic context as the word sulfal. And mm-hmm. this signifies that, you know, that he has been created from a matter in which the faculty and attribute of speech lay therein, mm-hmm. right? And so his ability to, uh, you know, uh, to respond to the heavenly voice and, 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 you know, it emits a sound only when, when the heavenly voice reaches that clay. Uh, this is something extraneous. You know, the word is intended to hint that man's uh, power to respond is subject to his receiving the divine call. So without that divine call, without that divine revelation, without that communion with God, that ringing clay is not going to perform its function. And that's what the Quran is basically talking about. Uh, you know, th- there are other words that also signify um, you know, earth and water, uh, you know, earth being the source of the body and the water uh, is the source for the soul. Uh, the, the Quran also speaks about, uh, you know, earth and water as separate things. Uh, but by joining the word salsal or by calling it clay, because I, as I'd mentioned before, that clay is a combination of, you know, um, sand and water. And so by having that combination in there, uh, you know, the Quran means to point out that while other living creatures are created of black mud only, of earth and water, for they too possess a certain kind of undeveloped soul, man is created from black mud, which is combined with sal or dry ringing clay, that is the attribute of speech. He is also known as, in, in the Quran, there's another word used, masnoon, which is wrought into perfect shape. Mm-hmm. The worst does not mean that clay became at once molded into a living being when God breathed life into it. And this is exactly the dogmatic belief that I was talking earlier. Mm-hmm. The Quran repeatedly states that the, the creation of the universe was gradual. The present word speaks of only the first stage of man's creation. And then there are other stages that are also mentioned in the Quran. The Quranic statement that man was created out of earth finds corroboration from the fact that even now, Man's food is derived from earth, certain parts of it being derived directly and others indirectly from the earth. This shows that the matter contained in the earth forms the origin of man. So this is exactly what the origin of life 
means from a chronic perspective. I hope that's uh, that's clear for the for the viewers. I know that's a, that's a lot of terminology that I use in there. Mm. So, uh, you know, listening. To, I, I think I should have a little bit of a Quizlet at the end so I can test you guys if you want to study. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. We are fine today. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, Dr. Nayeb for joining us today. Uh, you know, Appreciate for just uh, to give interest. Well, I think. Uh, we couldn't give a proper intro. He's a PhD in uh, microbiology and immunology, working as a consultant for clinical diagnostic uh, laboratories. So thank you very much, Dr. Nayakoka, for joining yeah. us today and giving us insight thank of these topics. Zakmullah. Zakmullah. Allah bless you. Thank you. Um, uh, thank you for, uh, you know, Dr. Naya to explain us in detail how, you know, the Quranic um, uh, prophecies that God Almighty has, you know, um, given to us 1400 years ago how science is actually giving a proof that the the book itself you know is is a, a proof of God's existence right the Holy Quran which is a complete and a perfect guidance for all mankind does not only support the uh, modern theory of evolution but it takes it beyond what science alone is capable of um, where scientists are looking for an answer to how random mutation could have created such vast variety of organism, uh, some being extremely complex in such short space of time. The Holy Quran has already provided this answer 1400 years ago, as it is a very simple yet highly profound answer to this confusion, um, which is the divine will. It is only due to Allah's intervention that this planet is inhabitable and at which um, with a such beautiful creatures and, uh, and the creatures that we have learned, we have seen, but then, you know, there the, the, there's so many creatures that God Almighty has created, but we don't even know about them. You know, for example, if you look at the, the, the sea life or the ocean, we only know 5% of it, 4 or 5% of it. The rest of it, we don't know. So the Holy Quran you know, says on this matter in chapter 28 of the Holy Quran that, and thy Lord creates whatever he pleases and chooses whomever he pleases. It is not for them to choose. Glorified be Allah and far is he above all that they associate with him. In the case of evolution, this verse can be interpreted as the evidence of the divine will being far greater than what si some some of the scientists uh, believe in. Uh, that evolution occurred by chance due to blind natural selection. It is only due to this divine will that life has evolved into the complexity we see today. And uh, the modern scientists propose that the whole universe has been made to facilitate human life through evolution. And I said that as well, you know, earlier we were discussing mm. about this topic that everything that is created is benefit from each for, for each other, especially for the for us. So uh, to say that human life and the world around us has solely come to its current state through evolution is effectively like saying life has come to this point due to chance. That is out of the hundreds of thousands of possibilities evolution could have led to somehow evolution led to the fine-tuned universe by sheer chance. So uh, there are so many 
you know, factors involved in creating the perfect condition which enable life on earth and to put it all down to chance is obscure, right? Um, and and, and uh, it's, it's just the, you know, just thinking that everything came by chance is, is something which is, you know, we don't believe in, yeah. I mean, the Holy Quran speaks of creation only in step-by-step progressive um, stages, which are well provided for categorically rejecting the concept of spontaneous uh, generation. And according to the Holy Quran, the universe passed from stages to stage till the earth assumed a shape and uh, developed properties which could sustain human life. The Quran, contrary to the accounts given in the Bible, teaches that man was created through a gradual process. There's another verse in the Quran which shows that creation of man was the culmination of gradual process and that is not correct to say that God formed man out of clay and breathed his spirit into him. The Quran says, and he has created you in different stages and different forms. And, you know, even now we see, you know, if the idea of this, if we think that a person was made out of clay, then why not we see this thing nowadays? Why that thing which was happening before altogether vanished from the face of the earth? Where is it? Why can't we still have the same thing? Why can't even God, you know, create the same way? Mm-hmm. There's a way of doing it, and we see it. We see, you know, everything was 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 there two thousand, three thousand, five thousand years ago. The same mm-hmm. things happening even now, yeah. but slightly different manner. Yeah. But changing completely, something happening with the clay. A man is performed by the clay now. You know, two men and women. You know, God is uh, you know forming a child from them mm-hmm. or through them. So saying that it was made out of clay Quran rejects this idea you know it doesn't support this that this was happened when the creation started if we discuss the God Almighty with regard to belief and an Almighty being we find that many scientists believed in God as well it's not something which uh, only the religious people believe in even the more scientists when they research on these things they have understood that how this thing happened mm-hmm. you know they, they came to a point that they have to you know uh, came out of their ma- mouth that okay it has to be a god has to be somebody who created this has to be a being yep. because they have seen their life they have you know they, they, they were young they studied they know that f- to, f- to achieve something you have to do something yep. nothing can happen automatically so how is it possible that this whole universe is you know came into form without any being so many scientists even you know they believed in god as well in fact, there are very few among them who deny the existence of God and there are more who do not deny. Uh, and according to one survey, over half of American scientists, 51%, believe in some form of deity or higher power. Specifically, 33% of, sci- of scientists say that they believe in God, while 18% believe in a universe spirit or higher power. Everybody has a different understanding, mm. but ultimately they believe there is something which we can't see. Yeah, but of course, but the religion gives us this understanding, this insight, that there is a way to connect that being as well. Mm. You can connect with him. You can certify that yes, there is a being of there is there is a God. Yeah, and for that we have to have a connection with God Almighty, 
to understand because you know if we discuss the scientists as and we're discussing that some believe that there's a god some say no there's a power there's a spirit to came on uh, you know on that decision they have you know studied for many years they have did so many research and ultimately they have this understanding but in the same way they put the same effort to find the creator of this world the god almighty definitely god would show himself to him hmm. sometimes what happens when we are looking god almighty we just you know pray for one day or two day and they say okay we have done enough hmm. but god says if you really want to find me then put the effort which is needed hmm. for this worldly things we put so much effort yeah we try day and night you know we start sending our children when they were so young 3 4 4 years old hmm. and they study for good 20 20 25 years then they do research so in their life they have struggled for good 30 years hmm. but to find god almighty the, you know the, the other yeah, you know uh, the god almighty himself we ha- they have to have the same effort into it to find out of uh, of, of 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 the creator of this uh, world yeah and uh, if we go further the holy quran clearly indicates that the study of creation of the heavens and the earth leads to almighty god yeah and god says that in the holy quran in the creation of the heavens and the earth and in the alternation of the night and the day there are indeed signs for man for understanding yep and furthermore the holy quran also draw attention very effectively to the existence of god by referring to a creation as follows and i quote says do not do not the disbelievers see that the heavens and the earth were closed up mass and then we opened them out and we made of water every living thing will they not then believe mm. god saying everything was closed is myself who has created this i have opened this i have made everything out of water yep so this is a, a, a interesting fact right um mm. water is a very essential thing and i believe the first thing that um you know we look for in a planet is water exactly, right yes. so you know we look for you know any activity of liquid water in that planet right if there is any activity that means you know there might be and it that means it's inhabitable it's something that we can live and and we don't look at if there is now any water but we also look at the traces of maybe possible uh you know past uh, you know source of water that has been there so there might be there so even you know we look at you know some of the planets they have ice right so water is the first thing that we actually uh, look for uh, if we want to live there or if we want to know if there is any th- a- a- any creature that lives on that planet uh but we will be discussing uh about this more in detail but um um we will be um speaking to our first guest of this hour uh, malaika mahmud who is um the um, who uh, who is a new uh, research specialist oh yes yes, yes, yes new research specialist and early uh, career scientist as well um Assalamu alaikum peace be upon you and welcome to our show. Assalamu alaikum thank you for having me. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah thank you for um joining us today. Um 
it's interesting that um, you know surveys show high numbers of scientists believe in God and uh, Brother Anik was telling us that they believe in God or a universal spirit uh, because they have seen that whatever there is it can't be just a coincidence right so why is it so difficult for scientific theory and religion to coexist yeah i mean that's a very great question because as you said there are a lot of scientists that do believe in this higher level being um i wouldn't say it's difficult for scientific theory and religion to coexist i think it's more of a matter of people accepting both um in my tedx talk called having faith in science i actually talk about this very issue um, where in our current time, there's this belief that religion and science are the polar opposites. When in reality, you know, when you look at a good chunk of our human history, science and religion have coexisted. Um, and this is across many religions. So some, you know, not- notable examples are the Islamic Golden Age, where not only Muslims, but people of all faiths and backgrounds worked side by side to make progressions in science and technology and math. Um, another great example of this is Sir Isaac Newton, the person who discovered the three laws of motion. He actually would test the statements in the Bible against his experiments. And through his work, he never observed a contradiction in religion and science. And what many people don't know is that Newton in particular wanted people to believe in God through his work. The reasons why people like him, Einstein, and many scientists today believe in God is because they are witnessing a well-ordered system that points to a creator. Uh I myself, being a Muslim and early career scientists have also seen this in the work that I do throughout my education as well. Um, I study the brain, which is, you know, this mystery box that we're trying to decode. Um, And because we don't understand it, there's a lot of chaos to try to decode it. Um, But I like to say that there's a method to the madness, and that method could not have happened just by chance. Mm Mm-hmm. So uh, one of the things that I was um, researching on and, and um, is that many scientists, um, they used to look at the uh, spiritual scriptures as well, um, especially the Bible. Then, they, uh, they, then they, they would say that we couldn't find anything which will benefit them. And sometimes they would say, yes, we could find something. But um, just the... Um, just to um, understand the fact and and the prophecies that have been you know fulfilled from the Holy Quran, um, were there any scientists who you know eventually believed in in uh, a creator uh, or you know for example scient- uh, you know um, a scientist like uh, great scientists like Einstein or Newton who believed in in, in God because they have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the truth, um, and and um, and and what does if you compare the scientists from b- before Islam was a before the the Quran was introduced to them, 
and the scientists before, where they used to look at the uh, the previous books. And scientists now, when they have the Quran in front of them, and they they see that a lot of prophecies, a lot of scientific um, discoveries are being fulfilled through these scientists who some of them claim to be um, um, atheists, but they see that these prophecies or these things that they are creating or they are inventing, they have already been mentioned 1400 years ago. So at the end of the day, that, that is, is it not possible that they, they say that, how is it possible that an unlettered prophet who came, he gave these prophecies. So could you, could you, you know, tell us about that, please? Yeah, if I understand your um, question correctly, do you mean prior to when so, the Quran was revealed? So, yeah, so prior to Quran, when, when, when the Quran um, was introduced to the, the Western, uh, Western countries, and then compared to mm-hmm. now, when the prophecy has been fulfilled. Yeah, when the prophecies have been fulfilled through the um, scientists and before the prophecies were uh, mm. fulfilled, what were their beliefs on on, on, on believing God and, and specifically Islam? Yeah, so, I mean, when we look at prior to, if we're looking at the Western nation, um, so I mentioned, you know, Sir Isaac Newton and there was the Bible um, and he was testing the statements of the Bible with his experiments to see, you know, what is going on? Is this true what is said in the Bible? So there was this idea even before Islam that there has to be some truth. And so, you know, scientists like Newton would test it out to see, all right, what is going on? Mm-hmm. We have gravity, for instance. Um, there's other scriptures as well that have slightly hinted different, different concepts in science that, now, recently, in the modern era, we are finding out about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in today's world, the great thing um, about being such a universal world and with technology and everything is that we can go back to all these different scriptures and sit down and have a thorough understanding of what is going on and then see where are we at at a scientific point of view. Like, is our science according? What is being said? What can we do to kind of direct our scientific towards these like prophecies that are being made um, to get a better understanding of the world around us. Mm-hmm. Can we say that majority of the scientists now say and believe in God? That is still a tough question <laughs> because <laughs> okay. um, I, for instance, have co-workers. They, I have co-workers that don't believe in God, but they, there is this belief that there is a higher being. Mm-hmm. They might not refer to it as God, but okay. they might refer to it as some sort of, you know, master or some other explanation. Um, so it is safe to say that there are many sites that do believe that, you know, there is a method to the madness, so to say. Okay, okay. And... Um uh, is Islam uh, compatible with the notion of evolution? Yeah, so it definitely is. There mm-hmm. are many verses that allude to the concept of evolution, and that's going from the Big Bang to human development. And with all these verses, it makes clear that there is a divine will and guidance behind it. So, you know, to believe that evolution is just by chance, is actually contradictory because everything has a method and a system and that complex process had to have been created by a higher being. The idea of just by chance 
you kind of have to challenge that idea because you have to ask, how does accident guide life towards complexity? Mm-hmm. It's a rhetorical question because when you think about it, if everything involved by natural accidents, such as the evolution of the human body, that's a very time-consuming process that takes billions of years because we evolved from single-celled organisms. So to claim that this lengthy and complicated process is without divine help is turning a blind eye to the truth. Something that um, also needs to be made clear about evolution is the concept of natural selection. So natural selection states that humans and apes have come from a common ancestor. Biologists consider apes to be the most recent ancestor of humans. The Holy Quran, however, doesn't put forward the idea of one common ancestor and doesn't consider it to be part of the human evolutionary chain. According to the Quran, um, he creates everything in stages. The humans have also been created in stages, and the Quran talks about human evolution from matter into mind into these steps that are under divine guidance. I would highly recommend people to read this beautiful essay by Asif Munbar Mir called Quranic Concept of Evolution. He does an absolutely magnificent job diving into the topic of evolution and what scientists think today and what Islam's teachings tell us. So this this, um, article or this book, um, where can the listeners find this? Yeah, you can find it on alislam.org. Um, if you just type in uh, the title, which is Quranic Concept of Evolution, uh, it'll come up. I believe it's like roughly 10, 15 pages, so it's something that um, we, we just can quickly go through. Okay, so it's it's specifically in, on, because uh, I've just typed on typed in, uh, in, in Google, so... Um, but they they give you many websites, so okay, I I've I found it now. So it's it's in alislam.org, dot org. So um, Quranic concept of evolution. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So like uh, you know, one uh, last question I would like to ask from you. You know, a concept less talked about in uh, mental evolution. Can you tell our listeners about how Prophet Adam, peace be upon him, was the first human whose intellect was capable of accepting divine revelation? Yeah, so this is also a great question because it touches on the idea of how Islam supports the concept of evolution. Mm -hmm. So we know from a scientific standpoint that man has continuously developing and evolving, especially when you look at it from a neurological standpoint, um, such as there are increases in regions of the brain, like the prefrontal cortex, um, that are involved in problem-solving. So the Quran teaches us that Prophet Adam was not the first human being, but was the first human whose intellect was capable of accepting divine revelation. And the Quran teaches that human development is a process of evolution, and this includes intellectual development. Where humans before Prophet Adam were not capable of understanding God's revelation, and it took time to develop that understanding. And when that intellect was developed, Prophet Adam was created and God sent his revelation to him. The best way to understand this is to think about when you're a child. When you're little, there are certain things you just don't understand. 
But over time, with experience, you begin to develop a greater understanding. And what you once couldn't understand when you were, for instance, 10, you understand when you were, for instance, 20. So it's really amazing to see how religion and science support each other in many, many ways, especially in evolution. Thank you very much, uh, Malaika Mahmood, uh, for joining us today and give us an insight uh, the question we have asked you. Um, our be- listeners must have benefited from this ans- these answers. Thank you once again uh, for joining us uh, to this show. Zakmullah, peace be upon you. Thank you for having me. Zakmullah, my. So you were listening uh, to Malaika Mahmood. Uh, she was a new research specialist and early uh, career scientist. Uh, she answered, you know, uh, on uh, different uh, topics as, you know, the Islam, you know, compatible with the notion of evolution and, uh, you know, the concept of Adam, that uh, how God Almighty basically, you know, given him an intellect to understand and speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has, she has discussed regarding the scientists believing in God Almighty. Yeah. Um, in the Holy Quran, God Almighty, you know, indicates that there was, uh, you know, already humans before Adam. You know, in the Holy Quran, in chapter 7, verse 12, God says that, and we did create you, and then we gave you shape, then said to the angel, submit to Adam. Um, and, I mean, this first means that God created man and and then gave the shape to his faculties and then commanded the angels, including all the beings on earth, to uh, to obey uh, Prophet Adam, right? And again, Adam, uh, to remember, Adam was a prophet. A, a, a work or a task of a prophet is mm. to convey a message to a nation, right? Um, what's the point of one human being just conveying the message to uh, Eve and that's it right I mean uh, and also the in, in, we can learn from the scriptures as well that Adam approximately came 6,000 years ago so we learn from the history and we learn that you know humanity has been uh, in a humans they have lived more than 50,000 years ago mm. even 100,000 years ago so that means uh there has been, you know, humans who lived before Adam, but they were not capable of understanding a, mm. a message of God. So by the time Hazrat Adam and Prophet Adam, peace be upon him, came, they were ready to accept a divine law, yeah. which they could, you know, act upon. That's true. You know, uh, if we understand, people were living inside the caves. They were not. They didn't know how to speak and yeah. uh, how to wear. <clears throat> They used to fight each other. You know, the very first, the, when the concept got presented to Angel that I'm going to create uh, uh, my, you know, successor in, in or caliph in, in the, on the world. Yeah. The angel replied, are you going to appoint somebody who, you know, who will uh, do bloodshed? Mm. Because they were looking at those people that they, that's how they do, that's how they live. Yes, no. that's a good point. Yes, the Holy Quran says that exactly. I, 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 the, the angels are having a conversation with God that, you are about to create, you know, a human being, Prophet Adam, mm. and are you creating so that they can, you know, shed blood, right? Or, or they can kill so each other, right? They must have seen it. Otherwise, of course, they knew yeah, that they, they knew, will kill exactly. each other, right? So, um, so that's what God said. That, you know, I know, I'm going to appoint him my caliph, and he will be, you know, he, my prophet, 
and he will be you know uh, guiding people towards the right path yep. and god basically taught adam how to speak hmm. and you know then he was presented before uh, angels once again you know the thing is we have to understand uh, the you know adam was not the first human being yeah he was a first prophet he was sent for the people to convey the message of god almighty because a human you know a mind has reached to a certain point where they can understand now yeah. that there is a being there is a god and we have to do it that's how we live and you know what adam peace be upon him has you know taught them is civilization that how to live yeah. properly how to speak how to wear and then the things started and you know we, if we say that he was a first man you know the purpose has you know uh, then the, the, there must have been no purpose for him to come there because the prophet pur- purpose is to convey the message of god almighty, god almighty yeah. uh, you know this is a never ending topic uh, hopefully we'll discuss this topic once again we need good two hours to understand and we we'll start once again from this topic onward that uh, about adam and what happened after that i would like to thank over here the you know producer of this show uh, sara malik and the team uh, working uh, So Kafiz um, uh, uh, Afar Farhana Khan and uh, Sara Malik. Yeah. So Zakbulla for producing this show. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh.